0: This is John from Polymath Producer, and at Polymath Producer, we analyze the great producers of all time to figure out what they do, why they do what they do, and ultimately how they think about the craft. In today's episode, we're looking at Avicii, one of the great producers of the 2010s, and we're looking at his track, Without You. In this track, Without You, it really embodies everything that Avicii is about. I feel like this track really shows you um, a lot of the trademark things that he used to do. When he puts signature mark on the track, when you hear this track, you know it's an Avicii track, and we're gonna go deeper into how he was able to create this unique uh, sonic identity for himself. So the first thing I wanna look at in this track is the drop, the first drop that happens. He creates a wall of sound. Something that Vici was very good at was orchestration. Um, so orchestration is like a classical term. It's like using different instrument colors to color the counterpoint that you're doing. So in other words, he creates different parts on different octaves and different harmonies and things like that, but he colors the different octaves and, and layers in different orchestral textures and then that blend together makes a wall of sound. So I'll get into more detail here when I show you I've got my studio here. I'm going to play it through. So this is all the elements that this wall of sound is made up of. First of all, here's what it sounds like. that drop was really like one of those drops where when you first hear it you just think what did he do like what did he do to create such a big sound but there's still space in between and it makes it sound like it's, it's it's kind of weird it's like there's such a huge sound but then there's spaces in between that sound as it's happening and yeah it's one of those it's one of those drops where when you first hear it you're like blown away by it And let's just go through the elements to see what this is built up of. So firstly, the low end, you've got the bass. So basically it's playing the core rhythm of the drop, and everything else flows with that. So if you have a look at this, this is the piano. it's the same rhythm as the bass now the piano is really the core harmonic rhythmic driver which is is like the mid-level harmonic material that plays like chords that's flowing with the bass so the bass is mainly playing root notes of the chord changes the piano is playing the harmonic chordal material of that so with with them together and sometimes the the core rhythm of the bass doesn't actually play with the piano like the piano kind of runs in and does like filler notes and then they fuse together as one so they're not always one single entity which kind of works really well to contrast the those in between melodic sections Uh, because if they all played at one time for the whole thing it might not be as impactful so he sort of played in a very subtle way with energy there in between the phrases the cool thing about this is that he's got the piano there but this synth plays the same thing as the piano, but in synth form. So have a listen to this. So that is actually the, just the piano line, but in synth form. So this is what orchestration is all about. It's like, it's it's the, the equivalent in like an, in like an orchestral song like a classical track it'd be like the violins playing a co- like a chord like a sustained chord but then having the flutes play it either the same octave or an octave higher like that's it's the same thing they're using different textures and, and tonal colors to to color the song in different ways and this is what Avicii does like he's he's very aware of of orchestration but in a modern sense so using synths to actually color his track effectively this synth It actually sounds like it's made up of multiple synths and when when there's like in between notes here like these fillers it sounds like that when the chords play the main chords that's when he's got extra synths in and then he's got ones that sort of do the. so it's it's thicker on the on the big chord hits when the bass is playing So when the bass is following it, it's more, it's more thick. So that synth line there would be made up of multiple synths that is laid together for different textures. I I assume. I'm not, not, not entirely sure, but it sounds like that. You can hear the the subtle layers in between. And then there's an octave lower. You can, you can hear the harmonies underneath, like when they come in. That combined with the piano. That combined with the piano really adds just that extra something. And with the bass altogether, they're covering three to four octaves. I'm, I'm not actually showing how many octaves it is, it's like. So you've got the bass doing the root notes very deep. You've got the synths and the piano covering a fair wide octave range and they're doing chords. So they're filling out the chordal structure and then up the very top you've got this plane and this is a single line that plays the top melody. So if you notice at the top of the of the piano and the synth there's a there's a top melody and that's like the melody that gets stuck in your head when this drop happens, which is a, which is an Avicii trademark, it's like making your tracks very melodic. That's like one of the things that he did. With this top synth, it's an octave higher than the other than the other synth and the piano, but it's playing the same melody. If you notice, it's an octave higher. And it plays slightly different at the end as well. Like it's got like a different rhythm. But yeah, so if, if you notice that top synth there really makes all the difference. Cause when you hear the drop without it, it still sounds awesome. But when you have the top synth there, this sounds Avicii. Like when you hear this, it's like, this sounds Avicii. Yeah. That top synth is like a sound that he used in, in a lot of his tracks like that. Uh, it's it's that, that very distinctive sound of his. And he's put that unique stamp on a lot of his tracks. So he, it's almost like a, an instrument that's unique to his sound. So all up, you've got the bass, piano, synth, and to top it off, top synth. And they're all side chained to the kick. So the whole thing, it's like a wall of sound. They're all playing the same rhythm and sometimes like the other synths kind of play like something different to the bass. So they, they play like, like filler notes before the main rhythm part hits, the core rhythm hits, but ultimately they're all playing as a wall of sound and it's covering probably four, five octaves. I actually saw how many octaves he's covered, but it's like the whole keyboard range. Like I've got my keyboard here. It's probably my whole keyboard range that he's covering. The key principle you want to understand here is that when you do a section it's not even it's not even a drop but just a section with the highest energetic intensity of your track covering the full spectrum of octaves and frequency spectrum for the core rhythm or the, the single part that you wanna focus on is, like, is a highly effective way to bring that energetic uh, focus along. And we actually covered this in tracks that aren't in this style, like Greg Kirsten's the other week, where we looked at Chandelier, how it covered the whole frequency spectrum in the chorus and a lot of the stuff you didn't even really know was there. So he's sort of done it in a way where it's a more vocal centric situation Greg Kirsten, so he's actually pulled, he's, he's covered the full frequency spectrum from like for like four or five octaves, but he's pulled it back so that the vocal is, is in center. Whereas in this track, because it's the drop of the song and it's instrumental focused, then technically this melody here, this top melody, is like the main vocal line or like the, the primary hook of the track. This line here. And the top melody of these. So he's really emphasizing that melody, that top melody. And that's the most important part of this drop section. So he's emphasizing that and then use, and he's also emphasizing the core rhythm as they all play together as once. They're all one single entity. Now, the only other thing that plays in this section are the drums. And that's mainly just a kick and like clicks. What I love about this is that it's so simple. What he's done earlier on is he's actually got the kick with a clap. And like a a hat hit, I think. And it's all happening at the same time. And that's during the build. but when he goes to the drop section, he pulls back the clap and only has clicks on the two and four. So it sounds a lot more clean. And then when the wall of sound is happening, it's just like, it, it sounds super clean and, the, and it sounds like there's a lot more space in between. And it's so, it's just so good. He's actually developed the, the drop in the second section So the second time that this drop plays, it's slightly different. So the synth and the bass and the piano and the top synth, they all play the same thing in the second drop. The bass is slightly thicker. He's got more layers on the bass in the second time around. These are playing the same thing. But the way that he's developed this section is quite interesting. He's done very subtle things to develop it, but have a listen to these that he's put in. So one of the Avicii things that he used to do all the time was put arps in the second half of his track. So he would put this type of thing. This is another thing that made Avicii unique in his sound. So earlier on, we had the the synth that sounds very very Avicii-like. Well, this sound, once you hear this, you know it's an Avicii song. Like, that arp sound is so unique to Avicii songs, you just know it's him. He puts this arp in a lot of his tracks, not all of them, but like, it's, it's a very recurring thing. He puts this arp usually in the second sections of his tracks to develop it energetically, and it kind of happens in the background, but it's, you can still hear it. And he's got that running underneath this second drop section, and he sort of teases it in the intro as well. You can kind of hear it tease in here got a filter on it and that's just before the verse starts which i thought was very cool like he kind of just teases in but back to the second drop let's let's have a look at this so here are the other elements that he's put in the drop to differentiate it so he's got this top synth here that's like a call and response It's like it's like a couple of synths playing two different lines, like counterpoint lines. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. And in between that, you've got this call and response type thing that's happening with this bass block here. So cool. So he's got this arp here. Now, have a listen. So you've heard those in isolation now. Have a listen to it in relation to the main wall of sound that we looked at earlier in the first drop, which also plays here. So... Bring it full circle. It basically goes: lead synth is the main one. Top synth is do is is coming in on the second half of the lead synth melody line, and the bass pluck thing is coming in on the first part of the lead synth line. And the bass pluck and the top synth are doing call and response with each other simultaneously, while the lead synth is wedged in between. So they're all like at different times laid with each other, but it sounds like really, it sounds complicated, but in a way that sounds simple. Like it's, it's complicated, but it's simple, but it's not simple. Like it's just, when I first heard this, I was like, what is happening here? It blew me away. Now really think of this look at this through a classical lens for a second here like an orchestral lens what you would do in like an, an, in a classical orchestral sense would be I'll just do an example say this section here that would be played by say the flutes or the or the piccolos the piccolos and the flutes because it's quite high now this lead say this lead here say that's played by violins or like trumpets, like a a high brass section. That's played by a high brass section or violins. This would be played by flutes and piccolos. And then this bass pluck here, that could be played by like the violas or the cellos or maybe a mixture of both. Or maybe it's played by like a lower brass instrument or like horns or something like that. So that's how you would think about it in a in an orchestral sense in a classical way, whereas you do this essentially the same thing but with synths in modern music or like other other instruments in in modern in these kind of tracks like guitars or you know just p- pianos things like that. So I just want you to I just wanted to note that how the cool thing about Avicii's stuff is that it sounds like it could be orchestrated with traditional instruments, but he's used modern day synths to do it so he's he's very good at uh at orchestral colors like layering his track in a way that sounds very unique to him and that's basically all arrangement is if you want to have a unique sonic identity it's all the little things that really add up but this is one way that you can really stamp your unique identity on tracks is to create that that orchestral way of doing things in your tracks The, the other thing that differentiates this section to the other drop is the drums So he's actually gone away from the just the straight kick and the, and the snaps on the two and four. Now he's got more of, I think it's a snare, but it's, it's pulled back a lot. So it almost sounds like it's just the kick getting more intense on the two and the four, but I'm pretty sure it's a snare. And he's got a lot more percussion, high-end percussion, which is a technique that we've seen a lot in a lot of the other tracks that we've looked at in the 2010s, which is using high-end percussion material, a lot of the time counter-rhythmic, high-end percussion material to create more energetic intensity on the second half of your track. So he's done that in here. He's got like a weird tonal type percussion. Like doing a rhythm like that. You can hear it. It's playing like a counter rhythm there and that really just creates a bit more chaos you know, control chaos to make it sound like healthy conflict between the core rhythm, which is straight, and this rhythm, which is more counter-rhythmic. So it's a lot more offbeat, that counter-rhythm. And that's really all the, the difference with this one compared to the other drop. And you've got these effects as well and what I love about this track is that he hasn't necessarily used like white noise rises as a transition effect because in a lot of a lot of dance music things like that uh, a lot of people use like white noise kind of rising up and this doesn't do that he actually uses more of a a uh, filter to create the same effect but in a unique way which I thought was really cool have a listen it's like a reverse sound of the synths that he's about to use. So he's, he's created a reverse version of them. And then he's actually got like a filter that goes, it starts low and then he sort of builds it up. So it opens the high end and then pulls it back down just before the entrance, which I thought was really cool. And then combines that with a crash, like a, um, a crash effect that goes over. Reverse, filter, crash. So it's it's sort of like a, a unique take on that same principle, which is why I really push the fundamentals on this channel. Like when you understand the fundamental skill set as to why transitions work, then you don't have to use the same transitions as everyone else. Like you can create your own unique ways of doing transitions. It's like when we looked in the Queen song, Don't Stop Me Now, and they had that big vocal harmony build up just before the instrumental section in the in the instrumental bridge there's like a whole bunch of vocal singing and then it get, becomes like a wall of sound and people are screaming and stuff just before the entrance of that instrumental but it almost sounds like a transition effect but done with vocals so as long as you understand the principle behind transitions why you actually need them why it makes sense to use it in, in the track at hand that you're doing sometimes you don't even need to use them but when you understand the principle of transitions and why you need to do them, then you can actually invent new ways of doing things just as Avicii has done here. Innovate on on the principle. So I thought I'd, I'd just show you that as well because he uses that filter effect on this section and this whole track a lot. Before every section change, basically, he uses this filter effect. So he was really playing with it in this song. Cool. Open up. So he's used the filter in the in-between section to open it up. He's used it at the at the start of this section. Opens it up. Cuts kick off. Filter. Back in. So there, rather than just having the kick play over and over and over again, he's cut the low end off. And then he's used the filter on the other instruments to cut off their low end and then enter it back in so that it feels like to the audience that it hits harder on the second run through the drop, which I think is very cool stuff. I mean, a lot of dance music does that because they're they're repeating the same motive and the same instruments over and over again. They use little things like this to prolong the the energy. So you you have the energy like full on for the first half of the drop and then you take it off. You take off the low end because the low end carries a lot of energy. Take off the low end and then bring it back in. So very cool little tricks that you can use to prolong energy. So those are the drop sections. And as you can notice, it's actually quite simple in terms of what the parts being played are. Like it's it's basically the same melody and it's laid in a way where it's covering the whole frequency spectrum. He's got the counter rhythms from the, the drums playing that kind of create that, like that extra chaos in the second half, but he's reserved the more simple version for the first drop to really make it hit. So he's got that nice contrast there between the two drops. And then in the second drop as well, he's got those extra counter maladies that are doing their own little call and response thing with the lead malady. So very cool stuff here that's been done to create that energetic development in a subtle way and the audience wouldn't even really notice this happening. Now, in the verse sections, he pulls it back even further. So he's combined real instruments with synths in this, which is, again, another unique orchestral move by Avicii that he tends to do in a lot of his tracks, especially uh, from like Wake Me Up onwards. It was always um, combining the traditional instruments with more synth-driven instruments. So that became very trademark Avicii. So we'll look at the guitars now and in this track the guitar is acoustic and it plays along with the melody line and the chord rhythm at the same time so have a listen to this hide with me, like the wind, have you if you notice there it's actually the top melody of the guitar is playing something the same or similar to the vocal line and we notice this in the Queen's song, Don't Stop Me Now. In Queen's track, the piano is doing that. So the piano is playing the core harmonic rhythmic driver, but it's also playing a top melody that's the same as the vocal line. And that's exactly what they're doing here. So same principle, right? Same fundamental principle, but just different way of using it. Again, stressing the fundamentals. Once you understand these principles, you know how to use them in your own way, which is what they've done here so it's flowing as one entity basically the darkness you hide the wind said you follow me so even here like it's not necessarily playing the, the melody that the vocals singing but it's playing the same rhythm so it's flowing as one I'll stick with the guitars, and basically in the chorus they widen out the guitar. So they, so in the verse they had them kind of in the center, and then it goes left and right with the chorus. And I believe that's actually how he does it. It's it's either panning one guitar left, one right, and they're playing the same thing, or maybe he's got two like doubles left, two doubles right. I'm not actually sure what they've done in this song, but that's that's kind of the mentality behind it. So that was a reverse guitar into this, into the chorus. So it's playing on both sides now. And there's a top melody there in the guitar. that's going So there's a top melody there, very subtle. And in the second half of the chorus, he actually uses strings with that top melody. So it goes an octave higher and that top melody plays with the strings now. Have a listen. Very cool. And then he's done that filter effect again, which is very uh, unique to this track. That's basically what the guitar does for the whole track. The only other difference is that it plays, in the intro, it plays like a a lot more atmospheric section with multiple different guitars playing. So a lot of effects used to like create that different type of spacing. Now I actually have no idea what they've done here. Like it's very hard to analyze this section because it's so atmospheric sounding. Yeah, I think it's really just a use of like, they've got that top melody there, which is basically repurposing the verse melody. So the verse melody in the vocal is is this. You said that we would always be without you. So that's the verse vocal melody. And then if you listen to the intro, they just repurpose that melody. But in instrumental form. That's basically the guitars Now, the bass underneath the acoustic guitar we looked at before is a real bass. So it's a real bass guitar. Filter effect again. So he's using that on all the instruments. Now it's like a running bass. Side chain to the kick. if you notice, they're all flowing as one. Like the guitars are flowing with that bass. The guitar in this section is actually the core harmonic rhythmic driver, and then the bass is the core rhythm. And the piano is actually core harmonic rhythmic highlighter. So it really highlights the key areas of the core rhythm, but it doesn't have the full thing. If you have listened to the piano here, see how it's. It's highlighting the core rhythm. It's, it's, it's really accentuating parts of it, but it isn't the whole thing. And the bass, it's accentuating that as well. Those changes, those chord changes. So the piano is highlighting the chord, the chord changes and it's accentuating the rhythm at the same time. Now, I'll go back to the bass, because I'm getting ahead of myself. So it's a real bass for the for the majority of the track. And then in the drop, it changes to synth bass. And then I think the real bass is layered there, but it's, it's very hard to tell it, but it might be over the top. So it's clearly synth bass at this point. And then obviously we looked at this before, at the end in the, in the second drop, there's even more layers on the bass. Almost like more attack or like more high end or something. So more layers on the bass in the second drop means more energy, I guess, in this case, which is what he was going for. And at the start, he's got even a a different bass altogether there, which is the, almost like a re-space sounding thing that flows with that atmospheric section. And if you listen very carefully, He's got the real bass doing the running bass as well, laid on top of that. So that's very cool. He's actually got the real bass laid with that doing the running bass. So it's sort of teasing that in. So that's the bass section and the piano outlines the chord changes and accentuates the chord rhythm. So this, he starts to filter it in. Filters the piano in, and then in the chorus, and it's still like slightly filtered off the high end in, in the chorus, and it's only until the drop where it goes full power. So that's when the, the piano really goes full power. But the piano's role really is to keep in that mid range and really accentuate the top melodies, but also accentuate the core rhythm. That's really its role in this in this track in particular. And the only other instrument that, that's there in this track is the uh, synth. Now this this section here really acts as a pad for the chorus. And if you this is the chorus section here. And this is an advanced arrangement subtlety. So I talk about advanced arrangement subtleties a lot in this channel, and they're basically very subtle elements that the average listener wouldn't even be able to hear, but that the producer has put in for a particular purpose, most likely energetic reasons. Now in this track, you can't even really hear it, but this is underneath the chorus section. So what is this? Well, it's a mixture of things. It's a pad. It's like a synth pad that's side-chained on not every beat, so not on every beat of the kick, but on every second beat of the kick, which is very interesting. He's also got the arp that was playing, I don't think, I don't know if it's the exact same arp that's the one that we saw before, but it's playing underneath. There's an arp there, and you can barely even hear it. And then there's like a slight like crash thing, like on on the fourth beat of every second bar. Now why is he putting this in there? Because like if you if you mute this, what does it sound like? Still sounds pretty full. And then with it, that's without it. This is with it. Without it. With it. With it. With it. With it. So it really just adds like that time extra something underneath it all. You can hear like a very subtle difference there. And that only plays in the chorus section for, the, for, the, for both choruses. Now the drums we actually touched on before, but in this section they basically just do the kick and the clap at the same time. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. He's got a, he's got some effects in this track, and they're they're very again atmospheric things. Like have a listen to this, almost like cinematic, in a way. That was at the start of the track, so that starts the song. This is in between section, so that starts verse one. This starts the pre-chorus. So it's like reverses into like these big boom sounds. This is the transition for the chorus. So that's reverse crash into crash. This is, this is the section into the drop, which is those reverse sounds with the filter. This is the section into verse two. So he's got a reverse vocal mixed with that cinematic drop to start the section. This is into second pre-chorus. Reverse crash into a big cinematic drop. Into the second chorus, he's got that same reverse, reverse crash into a crash. That's into second drop. That's the second half of the second drop. And then that's the finale final hit. So all these really happen at section changes. That's really what he's saved them for. Big one there. You said that Boom. Good, So he's really used them for section changes, reserved the effects just for those section changes, and it doesn't really have too many effects things during the other sections. So this track's actually quite simplistic in terms of advanced arrangement subtleties. He hasn't done too much over-the-top things. He's kept it simple, removed the unessential elements, and kept it as simple as possible, which is a masterful thing to do because a lot of producers can get carried away with too many small things when they're not entirely necessary it really depends on the song at hand like some songs require that extra um, amount of stuff like in the Ian Kirkpatrick one we looked at Don't Start Now he used a lot of those advanced arrangement subtleties just sprinkling things all over the place and that song obviously called for that he felt like okay it needed that so he did that whereas in this track with the Avicii one if he did that with this track it may have been too much So he's pulled it back in this track and kept it a lot more minimalistic. So it really depends on the track at hand. And that's what really separates the world-class producers from everyone else is that they know when to do it as well. Like they know when to use these fundamentals and when to use these tools. Now, the last thing I wanted to mention about this track is the vocals. Because when I first heard these vocals, I was blown away. I was like, what what are they doing in this vocal section to make it sound so big? And I think it was when this was first getting popular. Because if you listen to a lot of pop tracks now, they are like, I reckon 80% of them have this vocal effect on it. And it's like this choir sound. So it sounds like there's a choir behind the lead vocalist. And this was one of the first tracks that I heard that had done it and have a listen to this so this is the vocal without the the, play with the chorus So that's the lead vocal now have a listen to it with this choir thing in the background sounds huge that's the choir so when I first heard this I was blown away I I pretty I can still remember the 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 first time I heard this track I'm pretty sure it was at gym when I was at the gym it came on on the speakers and when I heard these vocals I was like what is happening there uh and this was way back when the track was first put out essentially what it is is about 24 vocal tracks either more or less depending on how big you want the choir but basically it's like 24 vocal tracks and they're all sung in different ways, different octaves, and preferably with multiple people. So a pack vocal. And if you can't get a pack vocal, then just sing it with your own voice in different ways so that your accent sounds different. And basically it's it's not timed, so they haven't timed these vocals and they haven't tuned them. So you kind of just sing it as you as you sing it, like as a choir would sing it. And, you know, in a choir, like some people would be slightly off time than others. Some will be slightly off tune than others, but ultimately it sounds like one unit. And I mean, you can even hear in here, you can hear off notes. Like if you listen very carefully. Like that one there, that was slightly off, but it doesn't matter because this is, uh, this is behind the lead vocal, which would be perfectly in tune, perfectly timed, all that stuff. So they've got it following this lead vocal. So when the lead vocal's there, you can't even hear that vocal, that little tuning mistake from someone in the choir because it sort of just blends as one. And that's what you do here. So you have the perfectly tuned lead vocal in front of the pack choir. And again, it's usually like 24 give or take, depending on how many uh, people you want in the choir, takes of the same thing. And some of them will be an octave lower, which they have in here. There's an octave lower vocal. Some of them will be an octave higher. Some will be even an octave higher than that depending on what you want. Um, Some may be harmonized if you want harmonies. I don't think there is harmonies in this one. It just sounds like the two octaves. And that's basically how you do it. So they've done that in this track, and it sounds awesome, to say the least. It just doesn't sound the same without it. Now, the only other thing they've done here with the background vocals, they've got an octave higher on the second verse. Which I noticed is in a lot of Ed Sheeran tracks. He uses this um, where he sings at a certain octave and then has a a falsetto vocal an octave higher. And it seems to be quite a hot thing to do it, um, you know, in the 2010s especially, like a lot of people were doing it, where it's basically like, yeah, like you sing the like the octave and then there's an octave higher. And that really just, it's energy development really, because the extra octave creates energy development. So in the first verse, they don't have that. And in the second verse, they've added it in just for a bit of, to differentiate it. But then when he goes higher, they go an octave lower. Right there. So the lead vocal is always in the foreground and then either the octave high is in the like slightly in the background but it's still there or the octave lowest slightly in the background but still there okay so what could we ultimately learn from this track about how avici thinks about the craft of music production overall Each section has its own sonic identity, like each section differentiates itself from the other section. In the intro, you've got very atmospheric, ethereal sounding, which was probably done on purpose because he's thinking, okay, when I play this live, and this starts, it's like everyone will know what's happening. And they've got that repurposed verse melody, vocal melody in the instrumental part of the intro to really tease it in. Now in the verse, they strip it back, make it acoustic, make it very minimalistic. It's just the vocal and the guitar really. So it's very minimalistic, very dry even in terms of effects. And then, which is contrast completely with the very wet effects version of of the intro. Now in the now, in the pre-chorus, they start to ramp things up a bit, but in the chorus, that's where they start to combine both elements. So they've got more of like a dance, dance way of doing things with the traditional elements. They've got the guitar and the piano. It's mainly traditional elements, but they've got programmed drums at this point. So they've got the real bass, real guitar, real piano, but the programmed drums. And then they've started, they've started to use those subtle synths in the background to introduce the electronic elements. And then in the, in the vocals, they've got those big pack choir vocals to really make this section sound really massive. And then when the drop hits, this is when the electronic elements come in to combine and create a hybrid track. So now in the drop, he's come full circle and he's got organic and electronic combined as one. And it's really a combination of the two in its full essence. So he's got the bass, which I'm pretty sure still has a real bass, but it's mainly synth at this point. And that really contrasts with the real bass in the other sections. And then he's combined those synths with the piano and he's got the top synths that are playing his, his unique sonic identity on the truck. And he really moves between these for each section. And I think that that is one of the main things you can take away from this truck is how to create each section so that it has its own unique flavor but still flows as one single entity like makes sense as it flows together and then combines together as one. Other things I really liked about this track was the way he used the way that he uses his his sonic identity and almost like what we talked about in the Queen song where when Brian May starts playing guitar, you know it's a Queen song. When they start doing harmonies, you know it's a Queen song. They put that that very unique flavor into their tracks and Avicii has done the same thing. I love how he's used his unique flavors in this like he's got his arpeggios he puts in those little arpeggio synths that come in um that sound very Vici. he's got his synths that are very unique to him that sound very him he's got the the way that he does things like the top synths with the chords and then the bass like that way of doing that wall of sound that's that flows as one uh core rhythm but also has the top melodies as well that's very sort of trademark him like that's that's how he's always gone about creating his drops which which really became his identity he was a master at doing those kind of drops the other thing i loved about this was that he really experimented with the transition effects and he understands the principle of transition and how it doesn't have to just be white noise rises and and downs all the time like you can play with it and do your own unique ways of of doing them as long as you keep the principle in mind which is essentially transitions are a swell of energy that builds up and then falls down that's basically what it is and it usually happens in between um sections or like bars so like depending what it is. Like there's always, it's always like a turnaround or something like that, You most of the time. So as long as you understand that principle, you can create it in your own way, whether that's reverse sounds like he's done in here, whether that's reverse sounds mixed with filter on and off. And um, yeah, I think it's really awesome how he's played with that. And finally, I love his use of column response in the final drop. So because there's no vocals in his drop sections, it really depends on the melody. And that's why his his melodies have always been so powerful and because and, they're so simple, but they're so catchy and that's what makes them so powerful. And in his drop sections, they always maintain their interest. And the way that he does that over time is firstly, in the first drop, he's made it simple. So he's purposely pulled it back. So it's more simple and it really stands out. But in the second drop, he's kind of done the opposite. He's inverted that and he's made a lot more counter rhythms, a lot more counter melodies and a lot more, of a, an advanced use of, of orchestration and arrangement uh, tactics to kind of make the second drop way more uh, way more different to the first one, but but sound really complex, but at the same time simple. It's 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 really I'm still blown away by the second drop and like how it works so well. What you want to take away from that is in your in your second drops, if you're doing just instrumental drops and you don't have like a vocal melody, you can play with extra arrangement. Uh, like counterpoint and orchestration to create these column response things with your lead melody. So if your lead instrumental melody, if you pitch that like a vocalist, and then he's got these extra melodies that are happening in between vocal phrases and things like that and fusing with the vocal phrase. Kind of what Quincy Jones does in a lot of his tracks where there'll be a vocal phrase, and then he will have like maybe a brass section play a call and response thing. Very similar to that, but just in synth form and in instrumental form. So those are the main points that I wanted to really touch on with this A V G track. I had a very good time analyzing this one, and I hope you enjoyed it. So if you like this kind of video, give it a like and a comment so that I actually know that you are enjoying these, and I'll make more of them. And until next time, thank you for watching. I'll see you then.